Hey, true crime fans. I'm Amanda. And I'm her mom, Pam. And we are inviting you to listen to our podcast, Enmeshed. We dive deep to give you fresh takes on stale relationships. Join us every Monday for an audio journey covering the darker side of family dynamics. Our episodes are around 30 minutes. We get right into it. We will guide you through intriguing lesser-known cases and famous crime stories involving murder, deceit, and the entangled family members who commit these crimes together or against each other. Check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And remember, some of the most poisonous people come disguised as family. Hey everybody! Welcome to another episode of Crimes, Killers, Cults, and Beer, and Beer. <laughs> this two crazy Florida men drinking beer and talking about true crime, and I don't have anything witty to say about right now. <laughs> right. It's getting harder to come up with new ones. Oh yeah, I I get it. One of these days when I'm not writing an episode or something like that or trying to trying to write my book, which I have been really I've been pulling a tot on my book. <laughs> <laughs> but um but one of these one of these days I'm gonna just write down like a whole bunch of them. Just rapid fire them as they come to me and all that stuff. Right on. <laughs> and hold on. Um, Talk. Hold on. Talk. Checky, checky, checky. Check, check, check. check. Okay, check, good. Check. We're good. We're good. We're good. Yeah, I lost, I, I lost you. I lost you in this ear. Oh, okay. So, um, but, but yeah, uh, that's Todd. And that's Bill. <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, today we're going to cover a sadistic and evil organization that exists in every city in the U.S. and I'm sure other countries have similar groups. Uh oh. This is an organization so evil that you might even call it a cult. And every day they hold hundreds of people hostage, and upon upon their release, the hostages are changed and experience PTSD. Yet this organization is backed and approved by the U.S. government. I'm not talking about the troubled teen industry, and I'm not talking about Scientology or even religion. I'm talking about the DMV. Yeah, still DMV. <laughs> For those of you listening outside of the U.S., that's the Department of Motor Vehicles. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm not going to really go on a rant about that. I mean, everybody has a shitty time at the DMV. But something did happen um, that's noteworthy. Okay. So, as you can see, I'm wearing my CKCB shirt that I wore to CrimeCon. Mm-hmm. And... 
And I figured, hey, I'm going to be around a bunch of people at the DMV. Might as well wear the shirt. There you go. Hell yeah. And <laughs> yeah, and I'm telling you, this logo pops. I mean, it just just the logo itself. Just yeah. You know, people, I mean, all, all all through CrimeCon, people are like that. That is cool. what is that? That is cool looking. Yeah, you know, Daniel Rapala, the, my Romanian friend, who did this for us. <laughs> um. But something happened based on the shirt. So I'm sitting there waiting. And every time I, um, every time they called a number that wasn't mine, I was just like, (sighs) (laughs) right. Not to mention the fact that I had to leave and then come back because, um, because they wanted to, uh, I thought that I had an email with my new insurance policy on it to do my registration, but I didn't. So I'm like, well, let me download the app real quick. No, you can't do that while you're sitting here. You can't do that while you're sitting here. What the kind of bullshit is that? I'm like, I'm like, look, I mean, I, I'm like, it's already downloaded. I just have to look. Nope, you can't do that here. You're gonna have to come back. I'm like, fuck you, you fucking cunt. <laughs> but oh. so I had to leave and come back, and I got a new driver's license too because mine was literally falling apart and it didn't have my proper address on it. So I just took care of that while I was there too. I and I, I swear, my my. My picture on that looks like fucking BTK's mugshot. <laughs> oh man, if I get um, if if I might just take a picture of the just the photo on the the new license and just post it just for shit and giggle <laughs> because I'm I'm not kidding. It's I'm just like I saw that I I saw it. You know how you can see it on their computer screen. Oh yeah. I was like, good god, I look like a freaking serial killer. <laughs> I'm not. I just do a show about them. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm sitting there waiting. This is after I had come back. So I'm sitting there waiting and this, there's this guy. He's probably a little bit older than us, but he's sitting there with his mother who is like super old. And I hope that woman's not driving a car. That's all <laughs> I got to say. I mean, no disrespect intended, but all of a sudden I hear, I, I hear her. You know, and the old, the typical stereotypical old lady voice going, "Crimes, killers." <laughs> what is that? Crime? And I just, I just stayed in my phone, like I, I was just doing my thing, and and I was annoyed at this point anyway, not with her, but yeah. um, but she goes, "Is that crimes, killers, cats, cats?" <laughs> and, <laughs> and that made me laugh. I said, "No, it's cults." And it's like, and what? And I said, and beer. She's like, do you like cats? I said, yeah, I like cats. My co-host I said, does. I said, my co-host likes them better. Like, well, you, you, you have a cat? No, I don't have a cat. I got beer. My co-host has eight of them. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I just, yeah, oh. I was just, I was just being nice to her, but I thought that was funny. Crimes, killers, cats. Cats and. That's a t-shirt. That's a t-shirt. Crimes, cats, and litter. And litter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. So, anyway, um, I don't have any more ado, do you? I do not. Okay. So, we're just going to jump right into this. This is, um, this is actually our second World War II story, because the first one obviously was the USS Indianapolis, mm-hmm. which you guys dug. 
Dugged. Doug. Doug. Dugged. You guys, you guys dug, digged it. <laughs> Dig it. <laughs> Dig Doug. Dig Doug. But, so, it's also the first one, the first one we've ever done with a evil doctor, the serial killer doctor. There's a bunch of those out there, and I've got a book on one of them that we're going to cover at some point. At some point. But, so in 1940, during World War II, France was conquered and was occupied by the Nazis. And it was a very fast and very decisive victory for the Nazis. And the, I mean, that they just, France fell in a couple of days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the French were terrified, not, not what, but, oh boy. The French, the French people. <laughs> See, I'm pumped about this one. And I'm like getting ahead of myself. Yeah. No. What are you drinking? Oh, we didn't even do that. No. Uh, my go-to rum and coke and powder blue sippy cup. Yeah, I'm drinking. I'm drinking Bud Light. <laughs> Apparently, I need to drink a couple more. <laughs> you calm me down a little bit because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even get through the first paragraph. Yeah, right. <sighs> Oh damn! So the French people were terrified, not know, not knowing what was going to happen to them, especially the Jews living in France. Yeah, but during the chaos, a serial killer saw a, gr- a great opportunity to get rich. He put together an evil yet brilliant plan, and he took advantage of the the fears of the Jews for their money. And he pretended to be an ally of the Jewish people, and he would get them to pay him to safely and secretly get them out of France to safety. Okay. So when people, when these people disappeared, families didn't dare go to the police because the police were all Nazis. You know, they were, they were all under Nazi control at this point. And we're going to get into that. There's, there's going to be history in this too. We're not just going to tell the story of the serial killer. So history lesson. Yeah, but it's history lesson. It's a history lesson, CKB, CK, CKCB style. <laughs> All right, then. Here we go. Oh, boy. So, um, the, so this monster was able to carry out his, um, his evil with no worry whatsoever about getting caught. Yeah, right. Or so he thought. Or so he thought. Yeah. Right. But, he was um, caught and he was convicted of 26 murders, although he was suspected of killing between 60 and 200. Oh, my. Yeah. Damn. All right. Even a couple early on that he got away with. Oh, okay. So he's getting lucky or whatever. Ugh. Yeah. 
Like I said before, this is the first ever episode about a serial killer doctor. His name was um, Dr. Marcel Petio, and he was probably the biggest non-Nazi piece of shit in World War II. <laughs> okay. He wasn't a Nazi, although Hitler would have loved him, and he probably would have um, given him a position at a, concentra- a concentration camp similar to Joseph Mann. Yeah, I'm just going to email you the notes and you do the show. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> Jesus. This is the worst start I think I've ever had! Yeah, you're you're not off to a good start. Ugh. All right, well, I'm going to start that whole paragraph over again. Like I said, like I said before, this is our first ever episode about a serial killer doctor. Uh, um, Dr. Marcel Petio was probably the biggest non-Nazi piece of shit in World War II. He wasn't a, he wasn't a Nazi, although Hitler would have loved him. Oh, I'm sure. And and he probably would have given him a position at a concentration camp similar to Joseph. Joseph Mangala, god damn it. <laughs> this is going to be one for the history books. Probably. <laughs> You're on a roll. <laughs> he seemed to come up with the perfect murder and money scheme. And at this point, 10 million people were fleeing from France. And in fact, this was the largest exodus since the biblical one. Oh, the French prime minister resigned and was replaced by Marshal Pétain, a French World War One hero, but now he was a appeasing, collaborating Nazi piece of shit. Um, his policy was peace at any cost, which meant, of course, give the Nazis everything. You know, imminent. <laughs> Yeah, I I think that him and Neville Chamberlain probably would have gone out for tea. <laughs> yeah, right. Sounds like it. But <laughs> <laughs> gone out for tea. <laughs> uh, so, so he met with the Nazis and surrendered. So France was divided into two sections. The north was under Nazi rule, while the south was a free zone under the charge of Pétain, who was a Nazi puppet. <laughs> So, so they were all Nazis. They just didn't know it. Yeah, I well, Patain. I, I, I really hate this guy. But I mean, just I'm not going to tell you to put a knife in it. But, um, but we find out what happens to him at the end of this episode. All right. Because obviously, I'm betting it's we, something gruesome. By the way, you said that. So, well, or not. I'll, I'll. Expand on that when we get there. <laughs> Okie dokie. Um, because it, it, it's interesting that you bring that up because it, it's from a psychological standpoint. We'll get there. Okay. Let's get but, there. Um, there was an underground resistance that was formed and they fought and undermined the Nazis from the shadows and aided the allies. They also started escape networks to get people out of France. And the Nazis would imprison, torture, and even execute anyone even suspected of being part of the resistance. Viva la resistance! As Nazis do. <laughs> right. Or did. And I promise you will not hear any JPF in this episode. I promise. 
I got a bunch of other shit in store for you. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. Um, posing as a member of the resistance, Petio would, um, would go undetected and he was able to run this scam from 1940 to 1944, living in the middle of Paris. Um, one day foul smelling smoke was coming from Petio's chimney. The smoke had been going straight up for a couple of days, but the weather conditions had changed and were now pushing the smoke back down rather than blowing it up and away. And the neighbors, you know, people in the city began to complain. One neighbor called the police, and when the police got there, they found a note on the door saying to forward all mail to another city, Auxury? Um, A-U-X-E-R-R-E, Auxury? I think I got that right. Yeah, probably. It sounds right to me. But a neighbor said that the property was owned by a Dr. Petio, and uh, they called Dr. Petio, who was at his other house outside of Paris. He said he would be right. Yeah, he had two houses. Um, He said, and we're going to get to that. He said, put a knife in that. (laughs) Sorry, I hit it. It didn't go. That's weird. There. There we go. He said that he would be right there, and he never showed, so the police broke in, and they traced the smoke as coming from the basement. But put a knife in that, too, because we're going to start from the beginning. (sighs) All right. <laughs> Marcel Petio was born January 17th, 1897 in Auxerre, Yune, in northern France. Yune? I don't know. I don't know. Um, French listeners, I apologize for butchering your city's names. <laughs> <laughs> and, and some other names. And same with you German people. I'm probably going to butcher some of them as well. But um, he can't really even tra- speak English, so of course he's gonna. <laughs> <Yeah. put it laughs> well, he, I mean, he can speak English. It just he can't get the words out of his mouth half the time. <laughs> Especially on this episode. I but, know. <laughs> but um, uh, his parents were postal workers, and he was sent to live with his aunt because they worked a lot. And um, Marcel Petio. You know, he saw a lot more of his mom than he did of his dad. His dad just kind of, he didn't really bounce, but he just really wasn't there either. You know, he was just kind of like an occasional acquaintance or whatever. But Marcel was a loner as a kid, and he showed signs of becoming a psychopath. He would impale birds on knitting needles. He would also put them into shoeboxes and not feed them just to watch them slowly starve to death. Yeah. He even stole a gun one time from his dad, and he, and he took it to school and fired shots into the seas, into the ceiling. Okay, real winner, this guy. Yeah, he said he did it to brighten up a dull lesson. This is still while he's a kid; he's not even a teenager yet at this Jesus point. Jesus Christ, to brighten up a dull lesson! Oh my God. Okay. As a teenager, he had even more run-ins with the law: robbing mailboxes, damaging public property. He was given a psychiatric evaluation and determined to be mentally ill, which got the charges against him dropped. Of he course. Had, he had been expelled from school quite a few <laughs> times, but he was smart. He was a good student when he was there. He got expelled for doing stupid shit. All right. So uh, he 
he he wound up finishing his education for a special academy for troubled youths. And not white gra- boys. <laughs> not white boys. Tro- tro- troubled white boy youths. <laughs> white boy youths. Youths. Oh, the two, God. the two, the two white boy youths. <laughs> what is a youth? Did you say youths? <laughs> the two youths. Uh, Jesus. But he graduated, he graduated in 1915 and he fought in World War One with the French army, but he was hoping to get into medicine. Um, he had joined in 1916 and, um, he was gassed in the second battle of Aisne, which le- led to a mental breakdown. And why does that sound familiar? I don't know. Oh, it's, uh, <laughs> Sabaton. Not only that, he was gassed in World War One, which led to a mental breakdown. Episode 50. Like I remember that. Dust Bowl Killer. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dude, I don't, you can't, I don't, <laughs> I don't remember the numbers and what we talked about. I mean, I well, should you, remember that one because that was 50. I should have remembered that one. Well, you better and put you your thinking cap job. <laughs> oh, God. Hold on. I got to find it. <laughs> so, um, Petio. I don't see it anymore, was, so. Oh. He was, he was sent to several <laughs> army run group homes after the war and where he was arrested for stealing army supplies and was sent to jail in New Orleans or in Orleans, not New Orleans. But why does this sound familiar? Uh, episode 50. <laughs> No, our most recent one, you dumbass. Well, that's me. <laughs> he was arrested. You no, know, I do actually st- pay attention to you while you when you're doing it, but after that, it just kind of goes away. Well, he just, you know, he was arrested for stealing army supplies. Oh yeah, that's right. See, that's I remember started- it now. As lo- as long <laughs> as you remind me, I can remember it. I know that's dumb as fuck, but anyway, it is what it is. <laughs> so after his jail sentence, he, or his jail stint, he was returned to the front lines where he was wounded in the foot by a grenade that he dropped. <laughs> that he dropped. Yeah. Uh, I wanted that's... it, I, I wanted it to be a head wound, but it wasn't. <laughs> he, he ultimately got medically discharged from the army, and it was likely that he was doing this on purpose to get off the front lines. Yeah, I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> that was deep. I know. I thought I had something better than that, but I didn't. <laughs> after <laughs> That's the all war, I could come up with. After the Great War, he um, he entered an accelerated medical program for veterans at the University of Paris. Not sure that I want my doctor to be mentally ill and clumsy enough to drop a grenade on himself. I know, right? <laughs> but he got his degree in 1921, and he re- 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 relocated to Villa Villanueva Sur Yon. Okay. Sorry, French people. If you say so. <laughs> I like I like your fries. 
I like your style of kissing. <laughs> Not the dressing, though. No, I don't like the dressing. <laughs> um, I like the wine. French wine. <laughs> oh, God. Here we go. But, um, but he be, and after the, he got his degree, he began practicing medicine. And he wasn't a bad doctor. And he really had a, a good rapport with his patients who, you know, it, it's like he would do anything for them. Like, need, need me on a Saturday or Sunday? Sure, I'm there. Something happened to you at 10 o'clock at night? Sure, I'm there. You know, on the surface, good, good doctor, good dude. Or, or so everybody thought. Um, right. Little did they know. Little did they know. But the, the real reason that he wanted to be a doctor was drugs. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, he, he saw, know, like, blew off half his foot or whatever he did. No, it just injured it. Oh, that, just that, injured that, it? That's another reason why I think that he did it on purpose. Threw it far, far enough away to where... You know, he just get a minor injury from it. That's how you said he dropped it on his foot. Oh, he dropped it near his foot, not directly on it. If it dropped, if he had dropped it directly on it, it would have blown his leg off. I love how he bounced and rolled. But anyway, <laughs> duck and cover, right? <laughs> but he sold the drugs on the side, and he performed illegal abortions. People are aware of this, but small town needs its doctor. Yes, yes, it does. And not to mention, this is you know, this is World War, II, uh, this is post World War One, and lots of doctors had been killed on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his first murder may have come in 1926. He was having an affair with a lesser woman, a servant. <laughs> <coughs> oh, those uh, fuck. Yeah, it's a stature. Yeah, I know, but you know what I mean, dude. Yeah, nobody's lesser. Even uh, never mind. Well, I don't well, want to go there. I, I, I didn't say it. I know you didn't say it. I'm just, you know, I mean, That's I know just, it was the it was the times. I it was that. the time. Yeah. Yes, I but, mean, I understand that, but you know what I'm saying. So they had he they he moved her in with him and everything, and you know she was posing as his servant, and but everybody knew that she wasn't his servant. But not um, in the traditional sense. Right. She was serving. <laughs> Indeed. Her name was Lu- Louise uh, Decavo. Decavo? Okay. De- Decavo. And she disappeared, and um, there were people who said that they saw him stuffing her body into a car. Police did an investigation, but decided that she had simply run away. But her, ironically enough, her disappearance coincided with um, her telling Marcel that she was pregnant. Hmm. Hmm. Indeed. Hmm. Dude, I almost spit my beer. (laughs) I was not expecting that. Nobody expects that. It's not the Spanish Inquisition, although it's close. It's close. <laughs> but um, but Marcel's side of the story was she walked out on him. But a, a week or two later, a headless body was found in the river, and people swore that it was Louise, but nothing came of it. Okay. 
So that same year, Petio ran for mayor of that town whose name I butchered a, a minute ago. Villanova's Sir Yon. Yeah. But but he won overwhelmingly. Everybody okay. suspected him of killing Louise. But um but in the de- mayoral debates, he got up on he got up there and he said, "Ladies and gentlemen, I am guilty of a crime." And everybody's like, <gasps> "What? <laughs> hmm? I'm guilty of loving the, this town and its people too so much." Oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah, grandstanding, and he won decisively, eighty percent of the vote. Uh, yeah, that happens. But he swore that he would reform the destroy the you know the, the, the destroyed town, but. I'm not sure how embezzling funds from the copper could reform the town. Got me. <laughs> I don't know that either. <laughs> well, you know, but it's reforming his pockets. It's reforming his wallet, yeah. But um but he later that year married 23-year-old Georgette Lablias? It's probably not. It's probably just like Lablaze or Lablaze. Lablaze or something like that. Lablaze, yeah. Lablaze, Lablaze. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. But they later had a son named Gerhardt in April of 1928. Um, Later, a, a dairy farmer's house was on fire. His wife was found dead and burned. But with her, but her head was bashed in as well. And rumors went around that the farmer's wife had been having an affair with Mayor Marcel, and Marcel was there on the on the scene when the woman was discovered. He he and his wife had driven by, slowed down to look, and then drove off to a movie theater. Okay. So he's also a fucking traffic rubbernecker. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me that he did that too and was just there. You know, like he was a cocky fucking bastard. <laughs> one witness said that he saw Marcel near the house when the, the fire started and he was one of Marcel's patients and he had rheumatism. The next day, Marcel told him that he had a magical new, well, not magical, but a new cure for <laughs> rheumatism that had just came out and he gave him an injection. Three hours later, the man was dead. Uh, yeah, see, I was right. He was there. He did. <laughs> oh boy! But one thing that's missing from, you know, from my source material was, who do they suspect committed the murder? Did he light the fire? Did the um? Did the husband kill his wife out of rage? None. None of that's addressed. And I'm. And I'm. Really? I got. I got questions. Yeah. That's kind of weird. Yeah. But the the local prefect got many complaints about Marcel, about his thefts and other shady activities. You know, that he was audited and among a lot of other things, they found contracts with companies that didn't exist. Hmm. <laughs> Alrighty then. He resigned his 
his position as mayor in August of 1931, but he got elected to a county council seat or a, a council seat. Um, in 1932, Marcel was accused of stealing electricity and he lost his council seat. <laughs> what do you do? Like, Cover to his neighbor's house and fucking plug it in. That's where my mind went to. It's like, how the hell do you steal electricity back then in the thirties? <laughs> I mean, they Damn, probably, they, they should barely they probably, been invented. They probably didn't even have extension cords back then. <laughs> Much less the 300 foot ones that you can get these days. Yeah, right. Uh, that's funny. Stealing electricity. Oh, jeez. So Marcel bounced to Paris. <laughs> while there, he loved the nightlife. He definitely wasn't faithful to his wife. And he claimed that he could cure sexually transmitted diseases like the clap and syphilis. He even claimed that he had drugs for a completely painless childbirth. Oh. He even claimed that he could cure cancer. <laughs> oh, did he really? Yes. He wow. made up, he made up fake credentials to, to back up these claims and to get business. And why does that sound familiar? Oh, I, I know it. I actually do remember that one, but I don't remember which one it was. Slave master. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, that one actually sounded familiar to me. Like I remember that one. Well, you better. I got a lot of these, <laughs> dude. I can't listen to fucking sixty something episodes in like twenty minutes. <laughs> but but you, you know why? You know why there's a lot of these? Why? Because he's a little bit of all our stories all rolled into one. He's a dick. He's a killer. He's a robber. He's a liar. He's a sinner, not a saint. He needs oh, to Jesus. be restrained. <laughs> Sorry, Meredith Brooks. There were, there were once again rumors of illegal abortions and overprescribing drugs. He also wrote death certificates. Um, he even got institution, institutionalized for kleptomania and he didn't like paying taxes either. Well, who does? But you still have to do it. <laughs> Yeah. So he's a klepto, he's a techie, <laughs> he's a brain damaged freak, you know, he wouldn't want it any other way. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Meredith Brooks is going to fucking sue us, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, all right, no more. He, he's just a bitch. He's just a bitch. <laughs> Marcel's just a bitch, that's all he'll ever be, he'll kill you and rob you at night. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Only CKCV would tie 90s girl rock into the story. Yeah, right. <sighs> and I'm not done. I got more. Of course you do. <laughs> now, this episode's full of them, dude. <laughs> oh, I have no doubt. You said it was a good one. That's <laughs> no, a good story too, but I've also got a bunch of like, you know, funny shit. Yeah, but, right on. No, so now when the Nazis invaded France, Marcel did actually do some good things, which got back to the resistance. So he was actually, he might have been part of it initially, right? Um, 
or you know or maybe even maybe even all the way to the end um you know passing information and things like that all right when when french i mean i, I don't i'm speculating i'm guess i'm probably not but it's possible <laughs> um but when french citizens were drafted into forced labor he would make false disability documents for these people to keep them from being conscripted. Oh. He also, he also treated the workers who weren't so, so lucky, but he would also over prescribe and he got caught and the Nazis had two people who were going to testify against him, but they conveniently disappeared. So he just got a <laughs> stiff fine. <laughs> it's amazing oh. how that happened. Yeah. 2,500 francs. It's <laughs> a lot of hot dogs, man. <laughs> uh, I couldn't help it. You got me. <laughs> you got me. Oh shit. <sighs> What he did do for the resistance, he overshadowed because of all the things that he said that he did after he was caught, but put a knife in that. Jews were being ousted from their careers, and Marcel saw a way to support himself and his family. One Jewish man who disappeared in 1941 had a business partner named, or excuse me, one, one Jew... What okay, what did I type here? One there was a Jewish man in nineteen forty one named Joachim Gushinov, and he had told his business par- partner of all of his arrangements that he had made with um uh, with the doctor to get him out of France. You know, he had made this deal with Marcel, who was going by a code name Doctor Eugene. <laughs> Doctor Eugene, okay. Yeah. And he was posing as a as someone running an underground railroad of sorts for the resistance to get Jews out of France. And Marcel had treated um, Gushinov under his real name, and then told him about his secret identity. <laughs> his secret identity. I'm Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Batman, more like it. Yeah. So Marcel told Gushinov that he would have to be vaccinated <laughs> and and that he would do the vaccination and then Gushinov would be taken across France and into Spain. Uh, you know, he would have false documents and everything. He would be taken across France and into Spain and then to a port in Africa where he would then sail to Argentina. Now, okay. Gushinov was very well off and he, he took over 1.5 million francs i guess and cash gold silver and diamonds and he went to marcel and he was never seen again (laughs) gee i wonder why (laughs) (laughs) but Uh, i'm just skipping forward a little bit but it's important to the story to know you know the basically what this chucklehead was doing right so um but these types of escape routes were common with the resistance so it didn't seem unusual for something like that to be available to Jews, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean, that, and the Nazis knew that they were around it. And 
when when they were found they were shut down and everything but but you know it's a resistance you shut down one cell another one's going to pop up just you know viva la resistance <laughs> so he was becoming rich from all of the snake oil sales and illegal abortions and stuff like that and yeah and he he bought that town that townhouse in Paris specifically to use as his extermination camp. Oh Jesus. Okay. H. H. Holmes vibes here. Yeah, right. <laughs> Who according to Bill was not Jack the Ripper. According to everybody is not Jack the Ripper. Not everybody, not the show I saw on Conspiracy Theorists think that it's Jack the Ripper. <laughs> well, he wasn't okay. Jack the Ripper. I, I know he wasn't, but you know what I mean. <laughs> the show I watched was pretty convincing. Although H.H. H. Holmes was alive during this time. Yes, he was. Maybe Marcel was H.H. H. Holmes. I doubt it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> no, actually, no, he wasn't because that was around like pre World War One when H.H. H. Holmes did his bullshit. Yeah, it was like, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, this, we're in World War II now. So, um, in, in late 1941, Marcel visited a local barber named Ra- Raoul Fourier, who had ties to the underworld. And he planted the story for Fourier that he was part of the resistance and he was the head of, um, a cell called Flytox. Flytox? Yeah. Okay. And he just pulled these names off of things that, um, Fourier had on his shelf. Oh, kind of like Kaiser Soze. Yeah. So they had an escape network, and he, if he knew of anybody who wanted to escape, Jew or otherwise, to to let them know that Dr. Eugene was in. <laughs> that kills me, Dr. Eugene. I don't know why. I, I know. That's funny. It's like Eugene? That's not even a French name, is it? Well, maybe it is. Shit, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. It doesn't sound like a French name. No, it really doesn't. I don't know. Who knows? British, maybe? I don't know. No idea. The Fourier bought this hook, line, and sinker. Now, um, Dr. Eugene's cost? 25,000 uh, 25, francs. Okay. He would also provide false documents, vaccinations, and he would get them to a safe house and from there out of the country with a people smuggler. A coyote. A coyote. <laughs> so they were Do they have coyotes in France? No. I think they have they're foxes, called, though. I, I think they're called Pomeranians there. <laughs> oh fuck you man. <laughs> Pomeranians. All right. I don't okay. even know if that's a French dog or not. <laughs> it I sounds French. So. It's okay. You just I don't go with it. You know, know. you would have been better with poodles because they do have a French poodle. Damn it! Uh, saying. Anyway, moving on. Damn. So they were instructed to liquidate everything that they had. You know, sell everything that they had and bring all of their valuables with them, so that they could be set up for their new lives elsewhere. Mm. Mar- Marcel offered Fourier a cut if he would get the word out, and Fourier was impressed, and he came through. 
Um, in just a couple of weeks, he had a, a group of French gang members who the Nazis wanted dead. Thief and pimp, Jolet Bakshua, his mistress, his mistress, Claudia. Just call Chamu. her Claudia. Don't worry about the last name. Chamu. Oh, they're victims. Oh, victims. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, Claudia Chamu. C H A M O U X. I guess it is pronounced Chamu. Yeah, probably. Uh, I'm sorry if it's not. Yeah, you can re-rate us on whichever platform um, you're on. Yeah. By all means, please tear into us. A prostitute named Josephine Grippe and a hardened criminal named Adrian Adrian Labasque. Okay. Total of eight members of this gang were taken to Marcel's house in Paris, and the the house. At the house, they were vaccinated, which meant poisoned. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody's got that now. <laughs> yeah. And they were never seen again. But these people were desperate to escape, so they literally did everything that, exactly as they were told. They sold everything they owned. They brought the money and valuables along willingly. They didn't tell anybody where they were going. They brought no identification pa- papers. And were even more than happy to to get some unknown vaccination and inject it into their bodies. <laughs> Why does that sound familiar? Not going there. <laughs> I just did. <laughs> Not going there. But they made themselves untraceable, and Marcel didn't have to do a single thing. And not one of these people were ever reported missing. So this literally was the perfect crime. You know, he'd even mm-hmm. duped hardened gangsters. That's that's. Uh, yeah. You think that you think the gangster? I mean, would know. It will smell bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, whatever. The guy was obviously had. No, he was really something smart. going for him. Yeah, he was smart. Whatever. I mean, Even though he's I mean, brain I'd, damaged in. A, <laughs> yeah, I'd like order. to see. I'd like to see Marcel and John Robinson, the slave master, and like a like a manipulation off. <laughs> oh god got him <laughs> oh a manipulation off <laughs> but as marcel was ramping up coincidentally so were the nazi atrocities at the the one uh, the one C conference in January of 1942. The final solution is announced by Adolf Hitler. Germans began building the concentration camps, and Hitler looked to Marshal Pétain for help rounding up the French Jews. And um, Pétain agreed, and French Jews that were captured were sent to a concentration camp in Paris called Drancé. They were then. Sent away on trains on a one-way trip to hell. Enter the gate, Auschwitz awaits. Told you, stop that shit. Freedom birth, the final solution. Dreams fade away and our hopes turn to dust. Stop. (laughs) The curtain has fallen, lost to the world as they perish in flames. Stop. 
Oh, Jesus. oh come on, you like it. <laughs> that's yeah, a great, maybe. That's a great song by Sabaton. It's called The Final Solution, if you weren't wondering, or if you were wondering. <laughs> or even if you weren't wondering, I don't care. Yeah, I'm sure they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man>. Anyway. <laughs> Thousands, like I, I couldn't resist. It was like right there. Yeah, I know. I got you. I mean, I mean, it wasn't forced like the Meredith Brooks and the um, Gwen Stefani. Well, yeah, you didn't have to make shit up. You'd have to make lyrics up for that. You're actually singing real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, let's get this shit done. I'm tired. So. <clears throat> so Thousands of French Jews, men, women, and children were captured in Paris, and they were shipped out on June 16, 1942, not by Nazis, but by the French policemen. Over 13,000 of them were taken in one day. Damn. (sighs) Yeah. Holy crap. Any Jews that had escaped the roundup were, of course, terrified that they'd be next, so lots of them sought out these escape networks. One couple. I don't. Huh? I don't know. Go ahead. One couple, Kurt and Margaret Nellers, um, they had left Germany. This is, this is sad irony right here. They had left Germany in 1933 when Hitler came to power and fled to France. You know, yeah. they're, there they flourished, and their son was born several years later. The Gestapo came knocking, and they weren't home when the Gestapo came to their house. Unfortunately, they were en route to Mar- Marcel's Paris house at the suggestion of a friend. Oh, God, no. <laughs> uh... Yeah, horrible. Well, I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, they didn't know, so I mean, no, they didn't know. But still, it's just like they they left Germany to get away from Hitler. Only to go, yeah. Only to be taken out by you know this douchebag in France. Another, Dude. yeah, another douche kidding. Yeah. Anyway, <sighs> so. Their their bodies were found in a river, dissected, and eight more families were found in the the coming months. Um, Lena and Maurice Wolf, um, sister-in-law Rachel, another doctor named Paul Braunberger, and you would think that another doctor would be like, "What's in that needle?" <laughs> yeah, you'd think. Or at Why least I'd there- like to hope that they would. Why is there a box of arsenic sitting next to the um, sitting next to the the, the vaccine? Right. Oh man. Oh, eat the rats. We got the rats in here. Old old building, you know. <laughs> old building, you know. Yes. But um, oh boy, Gilbert. A man named Gilbert Bosch and five members of his family and countless, countless more. Mm-hmm. The, the newspaper said that these murders were motivated by vicious bloodlust. And this is why you shouldn't trust a media to profile. 
Yeah, right. This was financially motivated. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, we know that we... because we have the the uh, luxury of looking back at it. But you know, at the time, and we got John Douglas. Oh yeah. There's him. Um, you know, I I would like to interview him, but um. I don't really want to ask him about, oh, well, what was it like when you profiled Ed Kemper? What was it like when you profiled BTK? What was it right. like? Blah, blah, blah. I want to know. And I, and I honestly don't think that he would, I think that he would be interested in having this discussion. It's like, I want to talk about when you got it wrong. <laughs> because he did get some wrong. But, oh, yeah. when, but when people, but when people, interview him they're like okay well just tell us about the forensics and everything and how you got these people so right well he got stuff wrong and i think that he would i think he would probably be down for that like okay what what did you get wrong why did why do you think you got it wrong you know what i mean yeah i i think he'd i think he'd be down for that yeah maybe it'd probably be something different than he usually gets exactly well yeah i don't know whatever i'm down if you get him i mean i'm I'm not going to be, it's not going to be like, oh, well, you did get, I'm, I'm not going to be mocking the guy, but the, the fact of the matter is, is he did get it wrong sometimes, yes. but nobody, nobody ever asked him about that. Well, so I, I, I think he'd be, I think he'd be down for it. Anyway, hashtag, but I digress. Yep. So this is when he changed his MO to storing the bodies in the basement at his place, because it's like they were finding them when he was dumping them in the river. <laughs> but the escape network, well, the air quote escape network was discovered by the Nazis. <laughs> An informant had tipped them off, and this informant also outed Fourier. Fourier was arrested and severely interrogated, I mean tortured. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he broke quickly. And he gave Marcel's name and address. Marcel was then arrested and tortured, but he gave them a cover story, which the Nazis eventually bought. Uh, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, he told him, I'm not helping anybody escape. He's like, I'm, I'm luring the Jews to their death. We're in this, we're, we're, we're in it. We're on the same team here. You know, which, <laughs> It literally was the truth. Yeah. But who's going to believe that? Exactly. But, um, but, but then again, it wasn't just, you know, because like the, the French gang members, mm. you know, he, you know, he had helped, well, he had quote, helped them escape in yes. quotes as well. So help them escape this mortal plane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so he, um, but yeah, they had him for eight freaking months and he never changed his story. Wow. One Nazi said that he was the bravest prisoner he had ever seen. He never broke. He never changed his story. He taunted the Nazis and laughed at him. And why does this sound familiar? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's, that's the last one we just, uh, <laughs> pants around. Yeah, see, I remember that one because it was the last one we did. <laughs> you want a cookie? No, I don't want a cookie. Okay. 
I'm not so I'm not going to the dark side. Don't tempt me with cookies. <laughs> Oh, man. In January of 1944, Marcel was released, and he ran back to his house and began burning the badly decomposed bodies. If the Nazis found out that he was robbing these people and the fact that they weren't all Jews, he'd be a dead man. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Um, oh, God. All right. It's like, like, well, you're not just killing Jews and you're you need to be giving all of these riches and everything to us if you're actually working for us, as you say that you are. Yeah, exactly. You, you brave and elegant piece of shit, you. <laughs> Jeez, all right. So he called his brother Maurice and told him, like, you know, bring bring me 400 kilograms of quicklime. Um. He then left to go back to his other house outside of Paris, but he left the furnace burning, which was a stupid move. Oops. Oops. It's probably the only bad move that he's made in his life, to be honest with you. From what I've heard so far, yeah, I would say yeah. that. But, yeah, he probably just wanted to stick to the quick line. It's just kind of like, kind of like a, all right, this, this cleanup shit. I'd rather just throw him in the river, but I can't throw him in the river because they're watching me. <laughs> yeah, right. I always feel like somebody's watching me. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> On March 11th, 1944, um, police were called, like I mentioned at the beginning, and they, 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 they called him on the phone. He said that he'd come, and he didn't. So the police went in. They found the remains in the basement. They also found a, a mound of quicklime with lots of bodies burned underneath it. At first, the police thought that they had found a just a Gestapo slaughterhouse where they had executed resistance members. Mm-hmm. But while they're going through the scene, a man on a bike rolls up, and he says that he's the brother of the owner of this house. And, and the, the police showed in the basement. He's like, my God, my head might be at stake. Um, <laughs> uh, he said that he was a member of the resistance and he was concerned that, um, that they had reported this to the Nazis already. And he said that he had hundreds of resistance files back at his own house that he had to destroy b- before the police got their hands on it. Ooh. And, yeah, of course. If he's the brother of the person that owns this house, then obviously the Nazis are going to be questioning him too. Oh yeah. Oh no. Yeah, they'll. they'll but put your whole family down. They don't care. Yeah. Uh, he. Where was I? But the you know the germ the the Nazis were in fact on their way, and so, but now the police thought that this was a resistance slaughterhouse. And that the victims were Nazi soldiers and collaborators, so they let him go. Say what? They let him go. Oh man! Remember these these police? They're you know they're they're being forced to they're being forced to do all this shit by the Nazis. Oh no, I get it, I get it, but damn it, man! Yeah, but um, it was Marcel. He was just planting a narrative again. Of course, like he like he did with um, Fourier. And 
they while in the house they saw photos of the man that was on the bike. So, you know, the the police knew that that was it was it was Marcel. Mm-hmm. Like he told us it was his brother. <laughs> Drat. That's right. We thought they were twins. At that point, um, a arrest warrant was put out on Marcel. Um, shortly later, there it is. <laughs> I didn't even have it written. Not not anywhere in these notes that I have that written. I'm just like, you know what? I haven't said that in a while. I'm gonna drop it on him. <laughs> Been waiting. But a, a Gestapo op- officer um, showed up to take charge of the investigation. All of the valuables were just scattered around, you know, from from all of these people, all these victims. They were just yeah. scattered ar- around the house, and so the Gestapo sent out orders to to get this guy. But the po- the French police weren't completely sure that Marcel wasn't resistant, so they ignored the order. Okay. Oh boy! Um, Nazis ran out to his other house, but Marcel and his wife, his wife, are long gone. Um, a manhunt began, and the remains were taken to the police station. And fingertips had been removed from all of these people. So, I and not to mention they had eight months of decomp on them mm-hmm. because remember he had been in. Yeah prison, you know, being yeah. interrogated by the house. Bad. Yeah. And I don't what I don't know is how did that smell not just permeate out of the house? Why was it the when he was actually burning it? Like you would think I guess this I don't know. I, don't I guess know. I guess the smell of death just permeates and everything during a war like that. Yeah, it could be. Maybe I don't know, but I mean, I I watched. Um, I recently binged watched Band of Brothers, mm-hmm. and um, and and the Pacific. Um, the Pacific. I didn't know much about the Pacific Theater of World War Two, but uh, holy shit! Yeah, but um, but the you know the in Band of Brothers when you know they're the hundred and first Airborne, they um. Yeah, toward like after Hitler offed himself, um, they they found a concentration camp, mm-hmm. and it's just like they, and then they're like, um, you know, they're they're going into town and everything, you know, basically it's just like, okay, we need to get food, we need to get first aid stuff and everything. It's just like, give it to us, we're taking this shit, and um, and it's like one of the one of the things, yeah, this, this concentration camp was like, you know, a couple miles away, and one of the um, soldiers is like, how could you not notice the fucking smell? <laughs> because even two miles away, you can smell it. Yeah, I'm sure. Know? Oh, I'm sure that, that that had to smell so bad. Yeah, so what I'm thinking, it was a gradual inoculation where you just don't <laughs> even notice it. Slowly go nose blind to it. Yeah, that's, 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 the, on- that's the only thing that makes sense. Because it turned out that these people that were in the town next to that concentration camp, they didn't know. They legit did not know that that was going on. Oh, wow. All right. So, 
you know, it's just, wow. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Yeah. You ever seen Band of Brothers? No, I have not. Yeah. I, I rec, I highly re- recommend both Band of Brothers and, well, the Pacific was like a spinoff of where they followed the Marines and, um, you know, in the Pacific theater. Okay. The Band of Brothers was 101st Airborne. Yeah. I could sing another Sabaton song, but I won't right now. No, you can't. (laughs) (laughs) Screaming Eagles? No, you can't. I say no. Okay. But you're no fun. (laughs) (laughs) But the... So identifying these people wouldn't be easy, but um, some of the bones had did have stamp, 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 stab, stab <laughs> marks on them, like the ones from the dissected bodies that you know found earlier in the. <laughs> in the river. That was good. <laughs> the media feasted on this story, and so did the French as. You know, it was a needed distraction from everything else. Mm. Yeah, and the and the fact that he was suspected to be a doctor that really intrigued everybody. And they suspected that he was a doctor because of how the the bodies have been dissected. Okay. Finally, word gets out that the Gestapo had interrogated Marcel before. Yeah, and the the. The French police suspected, or the Gestapo suspected him of being resistance, which that also bolstered the police of the French police. They literally believed that this guy was a freaking, you know, re- resistance freaking, uh-huh. you know, superhero. Okay. And I can, I can understand why. I mean, no, look at yeah. everything. Yeah. No, I get it. I see it. I mean, this ain't Dick Darwin territory. <laughs> Nope, sure isn't. Sometimes imitated, never duplicated. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> oh man. Um But then a man came forward with a, a story suggesting a completely and much more evil and dark possibility. This was a murder network. And, um, and this was, this was the businessman who told his story about his business partner, Joachim Gushinov, who I mentioned in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can pull that knife out now. Oh, okay. Um, the note on that, on the door with the forwarding address was Marce, his brother Marcel's address. So Marce, or his brother Maurice's address. So Maurice was arrested. And then, and then they later found his wife, Georgette, at a train station. She was arrested, but Marcel was in the wind. Of course. And a couple months went by and on the 6th of June, on the shores of Western Europe, 1944, D-Day upon us. If you do that again, I'm going to mute you. (laughs) Because I can do that. <laughs> You'd have to finish the story, though. I'll just wait till you stop singing, then I'll turn you back on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is too much fun. Another sabaton. Dude, sabaton should fucking pay you for all the advertisement you give them. No kidding. 
Well, I, I love that band. They're awesome. They are. No, they are awesome. But, but that makes things more difficult and more and more people who are now joining the resistance because, hey, you know, France is being liberated. So they're, they're destroying bridges and even attacking the Nazis and everything and like, you know, like guerrilla type strikes and stuff like that. And hell, people were even enlisting. People were joining, you know, French people were joining, you know, the Americans that were, you know, the American troops and, you know, the, the British troops and everything. They were joining up to fight alongside them and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like they're, oh, we, we're going to win now. <laughs> people are resistance. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I'm telling you, I would like to see a mini series, you know, like in the style of like Band of Brothers and the Pacific, on what happened after D-Day in France, yeah, because that that would be really interesting. But um, but so they're you know they're destroying bridges, even attacking the Nazis, and I already said that Paris is now liberated, and Charles General Charles de Gaulle is was now put in charge of all of France. Marshal Pétain was charged with treason and sentenced to death. Okay. As he should be. As he should be, but it was commuted to life in prison. Of course. Yeah, he he died in 1951. Okay, lots so of We got that going for us. Yeah. Lots of collaborators were lynched. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> mhm. Uh, De Gaulle's mission was to unify France, and he did. Yes, he did. Uh, the the chief detective on the manhunt for Marcel leaked a phony story to a reporter. He was saying that um, Marcel was actually a Nazi collaborator. A co- collaborator. A collaborator. Collaborator. <laughs> yeah, you. I don't know why you don't have a freaking notebook on this episode. Oh, because I'll just watch it back, dude. Oh, okay, yeah. When you put I'm going on... to write, write all this shit down, dude. This is going in my book. <laughs> Billisms. Take your I'm time. just going to start that paragraph over again. The, the chief detective on the manhunt for Marcel leaked a phony story to a reporter, and he exposed Marcel as a Nazi collaborator. And Marcel, he had never left Paris during all of this, you know, and, you know, because of the fact that the police were believing that he might be resistance. And so some people were likely to hide him. Okay. So he figured this would piss Marcel off and he was right. <laughs> he fell so, for it. <laughs> yeah. So Marcel wrote a letter to the newspaper boasting about how he was a resistant member and not a collaborator. Um, and, but writing the newspaper and boasting, why does that sound familiar? Uh, because almost every one of them fucking does that. <laughs> but his handwriting in the letters was analyzed and, and this, this, but his handwriting in the letters was analyzed and the stationery suggested that he was possibly working for the French interior. So you might say that this letter had metadata? <laughs> Yeah, you could call it that, I suppose. Kind of like, I don't know, a floppy disk? Kind of like a floppy disk. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, Jesus. Now everything has metadata. It's fucking hilarious. Anyway. But uh, the detective asked the French interior to compare the letter writings of all of the officers that worked in the Paris office. And it worked. It matched up to Marcel, and Marcel was arrested, and he was jailed. And a year later, he went on trial. And during that, with everything going on, you know, during that year that he was in jail awaiting trial, mm. he everything that was going on, he had kind of faded into obscurity by this point. Yeah, because, you know, Viva yeah. France! <laughs> but... But now that he was on trial, his trial was was bigger news than the Nuremberg trials. Oh shit, really? Yeah. Wow. All right. He was a total rock star on trial and he wanted to have fun with the trial. It's like, oh, look at me, total narcissist, you know, right. fucking douchebag. But um one reporter said that his trial was the theatric event of the year. <laughs> All right. He swore he was not guilty, but all of the evidence, I mean, all of it, <laughs> Every all of, of it. the evidence, <laughs> every damn bit, it probably took three freaking 25 foot freaking box trucks to bring all of the evidence. <laughs> well, not <laughs> They probably could have gotten it on two, but still. <laughs> right. Okay. One, but still. Um, right, maybe a little flatbed pickup truck. <laughs> No, need more than that. More than because, that, All right? Because there was furniture there too. Furniture, people, okay. Like, yeah, like like heirloom pieces. Oh, that's like that. right. They that's were, right. Yeah, yeah. You had them bringing their all their valuables. Yeah. So or whatever. Yeah. So so like like a Ming Dynasty freaking Ottoman. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, just stuff like that. I mean, and not to mention the fact that um, you know they. When they were interviewing uh, Maurice, his brother, he he had stashed forty nine suitcases at his brother's house. Okay, all all but all right, all of it, all of the suitcases contained victim, you know, like things that belonged to these victims. Yes, he was done. Yeah, that'll pretty much seal your fate. But he, but Marcel spun it, and he had people doubting his guilt. Oh my God! Okay. But it it's just a testament of how much of a master manipulator he is, and everything. I mean, his his defense. I mean, he had a he had a rock star defense attorney and everything who let him testify. Johnny Cocker. And, and yeah, so yeah, pretty much. Um, but his. His defense was ambiguous. It's just an ambiguous runaround. All right. It's like, did you did you kill so and so? Why do you think I killed so and so? Oh, one of those. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it. It. He just. He, he's just. He's just trying to mind fuck everybody. You know, and he was charged with twenty seven murders, but he admitted to sixty three, saying that. They were all justifiable homicides. You know, viva la resistance. <laughs> right. Uh, he said that he got Gushin off to Argentina. It's like, Argent- you know, South yeah. America is a big place. Go find him. Right. 
you know, it's for that that French, the French gang members. He's yeah. He's like yeah, I killed him. He's like I deserve a medal, not a trial. <laughs> there was there were pieces of shit. Yeah, but, but unfortunately, you can't just randomly kill people because they're pieces of shit. Yeah, I mean that doesn't even yeah. work for the resistance. Yeah, right. They they weren't Nazis. No. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, jeez. But he's trying to mind fuck to everybody in and almost worked. No, it almost. didn't. No, it didn't. <laughs> no, it didn't. It didn't work. <laughs> he was convicted of 26 murders and he was sentenced to death. Um, yes. His brother and his wife were exonerated, as they as they should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, this was clearly a case of, you know, as far as the wife, well, the brother had no fucking clue. Other than, what's up with these 49 suitcases? <laughs> Where do these come from? Don't look at these suitcases. <laughs> do not look at these suitcases. Do not look at the suitcases. It's all my resistance notes. <laughs> I write a lot. My resistance notes. I write, I write a lot. You cannot make my, re- you, you can't, you can't. Because if you do, and they catch you. Perfect, Dugan. You did it. <laughs> well, you were doing that voice. I couldn't help it. Well, you were kind you know, of doing the voice. You were kind of doing the voice. I was doing my horrible French accent. Was that what it was? Okay. No. Anyway, at, at, not, at not one point do you say "nine nine my compartment nugget." Well, okay, you got me. <laughs> I still did it though. I've been waiting for a chance to do it the entire <laughs> well, time. Since you said you weren't going to do it, I've been waiting the entire time to do it. <laughs> well, that was perfect. But, but still, I mean, but still, I mean, like, I can totally uh, see why his brother didn't touch the suitcases because he probably had some sort of freaking crazy ass story to go along with it. You know, yeah, basically, like, like I was saying. He, um, if you look into there, you're culpable if we, if the Nazis ever find this, you know, they'll, they'll execute you. Mm-hmm. So that, that's probably exactly what happened. Yeah, but, I would believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, and, and, you know, thank, you know, and it, his wife, this was going, all, all of the shit that went down was going on at his house in Paris, not the one that he shared with her. So she didn't know, you know, so she's not one of those that, you know, she knew like, yeah, I know Jerry, Jerry Brudos, wife, (laughs) (laughs) but on May 25th of 1946, he was beheaded in the guillotine And his last words were rants about how he was acting for France, for Mother France and the Resistance. Sure you were. <laughs> yeah. Nobody believes your bullshit. <laughs> Nobody. The only person that might is Adolf Hitler, and he's dead. Yeah. He beat you to it. <laughs> yep. Anyway. So, that That's it. That's all I got. All right, that was a pretty good one. I liked it. Yeah, <laughs> I told you you were going to like this one. Yeah, even though I couldn't remember all our episodes, but, you know, I can't be expected to do all that. And you're hating on my singing. 
Well, that was just funny games, dude. Come on. <laughs> I, I, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to not get his copyright struck. <laughs> well, if I had actually played the song, then that would be different. Yeah, and, you know what I mean. Though. And honestly, honestly, I was thinking, yeah, I, I need to put a little bit of disclaimer on, like the 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 final solution song by um, Sabaton. Mm-hmm. If you're not familiar with Sabaton, that's all they write about is war. Yes. And the final solution, you know, it's, it's not, it's not glorifying it or anything like that. You could have, you could have possibly gotten that, um, that, you know, you could have had that thought based on the lyrics that I sung. But if you just go listen to the song, find it on YouTube or Spotify or whatever and everything and you'll, you'll see. I mean, that's, it, that's a controversial song of theirs and for obvious reasons, but it's a really good song. And, you know, it's not, it's not in any way, the, the way that they tell their stories is from the point of view of the soldier. Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's really genius the way that they do it. And, um, but that song, the final solution, that's about the closest they go as far as taking a stance one way or the other on somebody. Yeah. Yeah, because they'll, they'll they'll have songs about you know about the 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 Russians and their you know and the battles that they fought. Same thing, same thing with the Germans. You know, even the Nazis. They'll have songs about like specific battles and everything. But on the final solution, they're if you listen to the lyrics, they're really you know taking a stance on this one. Then the wing two stars arrived. <laughs> But anyway, I, I just had to throw that out there because I don't want people thinking that I was, you know, like making light of it and everything. You only heard like the chorus. There's yeah. like two verses, a bridge, <laughs> all that stuff. So, okay. Just had to clarify. <laughs> But anyway, um, thanks a hell of a lot for listening. We really appreciate the hell out of it. Um, we had a good time with this one. I we wish did. it had been a little bit longer, but whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. But, um, but if you have any suggestions for us, CKP, seek, I just screwed up our own freaking email address. You did. CKCBpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, on, or on X, and all the others, Instagram, uh, Facebook, all the others. All that we crap. Have, yeah, we have Discord, we have, um, we have a Patreon, and we still don't have any Patreon subscribers. Our first subscriber will get a t-shirt. Yes. And, but, anyway, had fun with this one, and until next week, later. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.